Hello, folks. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to this, and welcome back to another episode of the Outdoor Revolution Podcast. All right, so today I want to do a deep dive into some information I guess I've I've shared in the past with people about planning for their through hike or or really any long-term adventure. I have given advice about gear, food, logistics, navigation, etc. But one thing that I've made a handful of videos about, and I guess maybe my thoughts have changed a bit over the years as I get older, is training. Training for something like a through hike or a bikepacking trip or I guess a, a, a climbing trip, really anything where you're like putting your body through physical hell, especially for a long term, like months on end. Um, my advice to people has always been that the best way to train for a long distance hike uh, in particular is to just hike, put a damn backpack on, go out on the trail and actually get your body in shape. Cause that's going to be the best thing for you. People have asked me for years if I do weight training or if I do CrossFit or I- I've gotten all kinds of wacky questions and no, I personally have not over the years. Like the best way that I've always trained for a through hike is by just putting a backpack on doing day hikes, doing shakedown hikes and stuff like that. But I have noticed as I get older, the more miles I put under my belt, I've had to, uh, <laughs> to do a little more training to make sure that I, I feel good, uh, avoid injury and successfully complete my adventures because, you know, after you put so many thousands of miles on your body, obviously it starts to break down. And sometimes I feel like I've aged myself like a good 40 years, just in the last seven years. Um, So with that being said, I might have some stuff to admit. I might admit that I'm wrong today um, about some of my personal preparations I've done for my past through hikes. We'll see. We'll see how much I admit. But first, this fine episode of the Outdoor Evolution podcast is sponsored by Sawyer. Over the years, I have used and tried a, a few different water filter systems on my various adventures. But the one that I started with way back and the one that I continuously come back to over and over again is the Sawyer Squeeze water filter. I would be willing to bet that most people listening to this podcast either have a squeeze somewhere in their gearbox or currently screwed to the top of their water bottle on the trail. It's been a true staple of the backpacking community for years and for good reason. First off, the Sawyer Squeeze comes with a lifetime warranty, but Fret not, Sawyer is the only company that tests every single one of their filters three times for quality control. Their hollow fibers are 75% stronger than other filter brands, which is why a squeeze can handle being backwashed over and over again. It's rated to 0.1 micron absolute filtration and removes 99.99999% of bacteria. Damn. That's a lot of nines. Watch out Salmonella, Cholera, and E. coli, and Protozoa, like that nasty hiker enemy called Giardia. Well, it removes 99.9999% of those two. A little factoid you might not know is that Sawyer filters are currently being used by over 200 charities in 100 countries, bringing clean water to those in need. It is really amazing to know that Every time a backpacker, through hiker, bike packer, or other outdoor enthusiast buys a Sawyer product, the profits go to literally saving lives around the world. 
You can find The Squeeze and other Sawyer products at most local outfitters, Amazon, REI, and even Walmart. Or you can visit Sawyer.com. And we thank Sawyer for sponsoring this here podcast. So here to deep dive about all of this uh, is somebody that probably knows a hell of a lot more than I do about it, um, which is my co-host for this episode, Morgan Braz. I'm going to say it wrong. Is Braz Brazaham? It was close. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I'm the worst with last names. <laughs> Brosnahan. Brosnahan. Yes. Brosnahan. It was there. It was, it was, it was there. in your brain. It, it was right there. It was, <laughs> it was in my brain. Um, also known as Blaze. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly known as Blaze. Nobody has to master Brosnahan. No. That's, that's totally a hard fine. one. Yeah. That's a hard. Do, do you know where that comes from at all? Brosnahan. Like, yeah. Like um, what your background is? I mean, I'm allegedly Irish and German, um, which my easily sunburned skin would agree with, but <laughs> <laughs> that's as much as I have. <laughs> a bit gingery? Yeah. Just yeah. a bit? As we have a hundred, always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know where that sounds like that comes from to me, but Blaze will work. Yes. Blaze yes. will work, or just Morgan. Um, <laughs> so uh, Blaze owns kind of a unique company um, called Blaze Physio, um, which does not stand for, she let me know, does not stand for Phys- it's not physiology. Not physiology. Not the study of physio. Not it is physiology. Physiotherapy. Physiotherapy. Yes. But what Blaze does is is pretty unique from uh, some some other companies and, and businesses, especially like um, I guess because you're kind of like akin to to like massage therapy and sports, like chiropractor and stuff like that, right? Yeah, I mean, to in a, a point? in a sense, the scope of physical therapy encompasses all of those things right so like we can do joint manipulations which is like in the Cairo space we do exercise prescription which is the biggest chunk of what has the best evidence and you know that can be like roped into lots of other everybody in the exercise space feels in the same category right um and then uh massage in like just hands-on treatment you know that's all part of what we do so it's part of why I went into PT because kind of everything yeah so i wanted to be yeah master well, of lots i've definitely had my, my <laughs> bout with it in the past um injuries and stuff like that through years way before i even got into long distance hiking but what blaze's company does is is unique because she she's a van lifer she uh she does the van life thing like i used to but um her company is also hashtag van life um <laughs> where you travel around to different trails and and help hikers out yeah. Um, sometimes I call it roadside assistance or like the, <laughs> the dirtbag doc. Um, lots, I like lots that. Lots of spinoffs here. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, I mostly follow the PCT and, and live and work alongside the trail. Not in like forest service land. I always feel like that's really important to note. I'm in town. Okay. Because um, you can't do business in forest service land. And also that's not where people need help. They sure. need it in town. Yeah. Usually when they limp into town with hiker, <laughs> hiker hobble. And... Yeah. Yeah. If I talk to someone on trail, it's virtually. So, I mean, they might be sitting on a ridge, but I'm sitting in town. So, um, but yeah, so I just take it all along the PCT. So how did you, how did you get into to all of this? I like. It was kind of like, to me, it felt like just following little signs that sort of led to like one big obvious aha moment because I finished PT school, moved into a van to support through hiking essentially. So faster money made when you don't pay rent. Sure. And then I could live in places where I wanted to hike. So so, so were you a were you a through hiker first or were you a therapist first? I was a therapist 
in in like the matter of three months, I was all three things. <laughs> <laughs> so I like moved into a van in September of 2018, hiked the long trail at the end of that month. And I graduated PT school in December prior to that. So I had been a PT for like nine months whenever gotcha. I did the van and then the through hike and then took a travel assignment and uh, then hiked the PCT. So it was like then post PCT, I was I actually just wanted to do travel therapy and do the van thing because, you know, you get off a trail like that and you're like, how can I explore more? But yeah. now I need to make money instead yeah, yeah. of hemorrhage it like sure, I just sure. did. Yeah. And so that was my plan. I had like four spots picked out for the year and then COVID hit and canceled all the oh. travel assignments in the country. Like they went from being thousands of jobs to five. So then you were whenever so for people listening, uh, I actually first met Morgan at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. Yeah. Uh, when I was working on Through the Great Southwest, uh, the documentary about Arizona Trail, and you were in town. Mm -hmm. And through a mutual friend, we met. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so yeah, so that, so your world and my world both like our plans, I guess, for the beginning of 2022, <laughs> our 20 both got screwed up. Yes. Yeah. I actually, I was in Flag and I was here for a job. I worked one day at that job. Um, <laughs> not Where because at? I didn't like it. They just like dissolved the position. Where was it at? Some nursing home. Oh, I actually okay. can't even remember. Like I, <laughs> a nursing home was like not the vibe. I just wanted to work in Flag for a little bit. Yeah. And so I found this facility that was looking for like kind of temporary like maternity leave help but then they were like i think we can just cover the job so i came and worked one day and then just hung out and flag for a month and then i also was at motel six quite a bit because you know i didn't realize how high of elevation flag was and i was like okay it's freezing um i'm leaving so <laughs> Yeah. I went down to it, Tucson. It gets from cold there. here. Yeah. So then that's when I was on a travel assignment in Green Valley, just south of Tucson, and it got canceled two weeks later because of COVID. Mm. So, like, long story short, I eventually ended up back in Tucson during the pandemic and like worked at a senior living facility. And so now at this point, I have through hiking under my belt. I've been a PT now for a couple of years. Um, I've, uh, lived in the van and now I was running a practice, um, cause the facility I was at, I got there with no patients and no staff. So I just like, I built their practice up and I was like, Hey, I can run a business. Yeah. yeah. That's helpful to know. <laughs> um, I did go to business school, but like until you actually do it. Yeah. That's, that's how you really like, see <laughs> yeah. that, that is a thing that like you can train all you want to run a business right. but you don't know how to run a business till you run a business yeah and i was like okay like you know you have to screw up a good 80 times right to... it's nice to screw up on someone else's dollar right like i'm figuring yeah. this stuff out and the bottom line doesn't matter i'm getting paid yeah. hourly so but i mean it went well and then um and i also acquired honey in that time and she worked at the facility as a therapy dog which was lovely and so now at this point my priorities were how do i work a job that's meaningful to me, run my own practice, live in the van and have my dog with me all the time. And then I was like, what if I was just a mobile therapist on the PCT? Yeah. And just did what that. What else gives you a way to still stay connected to the trail, right? Exactly. You know, you know, like getting off the trail, like you want to find some way to get back to it or, or be yep. connected to it. Yep. And that's why I'm here. Like this, yeah. all of this. All of us, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Addicts. So, yes. Yeah, we can't get enough, but... Yeah, I mean, I remember people being really injured during my hike, including myself at one point. And if I couldn't have treated my own injury, nobody would have been able to help me because I was in Agua Dulce. Like, there's no 
endurance specialist no. in Agua Dulce, no. nor is there like on the majority of the trail. There's a few, there are definitely some like lovely providers in certain towns. And actually I usually skip those towns cause I feel like they're covered. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is very far between and none of them are through hikers still. They're like, they could give good advice, but sure. knowing the context of, Hey, my foot hurts. I got maybe three pieces of like soggy luco tape <laughs> how can i like make it to the next town like yeah. i always call it like a game of survivor it's like here's what would be ideal and here's what we have and so it's like that puzzle to me is really fun but also cool to know that that's the puzzle they're in yeah. and figure out options so that's kind of that's where i'm at now yeah and that's <laughs> definitely like what i i want to explore with you today like here on the podcast and i feel like in some videos and stuff like in, in the past i've i've touched a lot on like kind of like self-care and like massage and stuff because something I didn't do for years and like anybody that listens to this podcast will know like I've had my bouts with tons of injuries mm -hmm. um I didn't for a long time and then I feel like the PCT is really where it started like the AT did the whole AT no problem except for I broke a tooth which I don't know if that counts <laughs> why does um, that feel so on brand for the AT <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very on brand because you're eating nothing but oatmeal cream pies and, yeah <laughs> and just awful nasty shit all the time um <laughs> It's, but when I get on the PCT, I think, and it, I'm sure you could touch on this too, is one of the things that you really start to notice on the PCT, especially in that first 500 miles, is like everybody gets injured, mm -hmm. like in one way or another. And usually it's overuse. And I've always, like, my theory on it has always been the AT, a lot of people don't get injured right off the bat because the AT is like, you know, you're, you're on dirt and moss and it's kind of softer ground, but like the PCT, because it starts, in the desert, quote unquote, I'll still always quote unquote the desert on the PCT because mm -hmm. I don't think it's real desert. Um, it's certainly unique desert. Yeah, it's very unique <laughs> desert. Um, but it's so hard pack and the ground and the rocks and it just beats the shit out of you. And like, to be fair, the PCT for the most part is like a pretty cruisy trail. Like you can put mm -hmm. 20 miles down like your first day out of the gate because there's not a lot of elevation gain and loss and it's right. somewhat easy. It's not easy, but it's in the grand scheme of like the three major trails, it's, it's pretty easy. Well, and it's graded for stock animals, right? Yeah, so there's not exactly. going to be all the puds exactly. and stuff and like, like rock scrambles that you have on right. like the AT. So, yeah. so many people get injured on that trail, especially in that first 500 miles, myself included. I got injured in Wrightwood mm -hmm. in 2018, uh, tore a tendon in my, um, in my leg somewhere. I, where was it? In my shin. Was it your um, peroneals? Does that ring a bell? They tear God, pretty easy. <laughs> Maybe. Sure. I'll go with that. <laughs> it's probably my peroneals. My peronies. A, Isn't a that a beer? A <laughs> <laughs> Sounds hobby. Um, they, uh, you know, tendon tears are actually really hard to come by. So you really, good job. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it put me down for a while. I, I was bet. off the trail for eight to 10 days and I I felt like I became like the mayor. Of that had to have wood. been the peroneals if you tear it, uh, if you tore it, it and were able rough. to get back on. And it, it didn't well. I shouldn't have gotten back on because yeah. it's still messing with me. And anybody that's ever seen my PCT videos will know like right around that area, you can watch my videos. And now when I watch them, you can see me limping like down the trail for at least the next 200 miles. Like mm -hmm. it was pretty messed up. And I, 
I paid for it, and I'll get into it yeah, here in a little bit. I, I paid for nightmares. it towards the yeah. <laughs> I paid for it at the end of the trail. Trust me. Yeah. Um, it ended up causing uh, hip problems and oh, a yeah. drop hip. Um, this is a I, great time for me to say that one of my number one pieces of advice is not to walk with a limp. So thank you yeah. for re- reaffirming that. <laughs> I'm actually walking with a limp today. I don't know if you noticed. I I, I had an injury, a trail running injury, the uh, <laughs> on Sunday. I I tore myself up pretty bad. Yeah, I saw your palm too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, something I've wanted to explore is in the, in the last handful of years, uh, meeting, a, you know, a, a friend of both of ours, uh, Merrick from Rology, like Merrick really got me introduced to like rolling out on the trail and carrying something as small as like a cork ball that like mm-hmm. doesn't weigh anything just to be able to like take care of my feet and and some of my muscles and stuff while I'm sitting in my tent, if I can remember to do it, which right. that's the hard thing, right? right. There's a lot, of, a lot of people, when you're through hiking, you oh, just yeah. like get to camp and you're you like, just I'm not down. doing that shit. I'm yeah. going to bed. Um, yeah. So, you know, I've, I've gotten better about doing some on-trail and on-adventure recoveries, mm-hmm. but something I didn't do in the beginning, and it's probably because I came from a world of triathlon. So I raced mm-hmm. triathlon for eight years pretty competitively. I did my last race in August of 2014, and then I started the AT in March of 2015. So I was already pretty in shape mm-hmm. and like pretty trained up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that's why my mindset's like that because I got out on the AT. I was yeah. I was a little in shape, not not hardcore. I'd spent months traveling out of a van, so I wasn't like really in shape. Yeah, um, and just went for it and had no problems. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with the PCT. Like I was like, oh, well, I'll just go out and hike, and I was I. Actually, my training for the PCT was I went through hike the Penhody Trail, literally a month before I started the PCT. Um, so again, like my mindset has always been like, well, just go out and hike. Your body will get in shape. But obviously, when I got on the PCT, <laughs> I beat the shit out of myself. Yeah, I got injured, and then now as I get older, I start to notice that like I personally need to like get myself in shape, shape, like at least a month before starting any type of adventure. I mean, I just got back from Nepal hiking in the Himalayas and same thing. Like I spent a month before that getting out and trail running and getting out and like lifting a little bit of weights and just getting my body in shape so I can avoid those those injuries. Like those, I know they're going to happen. Like I know I'm going to get them. So, you know, I, I try to get my body in as, as best shape as I can. I guess it took 14,000 miles to finally understand. Some of us <laughs> learn the hard to, way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've definitely learned the hard <laughs> way. Yeah. No joke on that. Um, so yeah. So, so like if somebody like with your experience, um, and if you had to go like do it all over again and like before you started the PCT and stuff, not just getting out and hiking, because mm-hmm. apparently that doesn't always work. Um, what's some of your like kind of number one advice for someone that's planning on doing something like a through hike or you know we, we try to kind of on the podcast and on outdoor evolution in general try to navigate just away from just through hiking but like bike packing mm-hmm. or a big climbing trip or maybe even getting into mountaineering yeah. a big mountaineering trip um what's kind of some of your advice on getting prepared for that yeah so when it comes to like training as a whole three months is a really good window. So like three months, you're going to see big changes, but something is better than nothing. So like, like how you said you had a month before your trip, like if you have a month, make it a good month. But because I think sometimes people get in like analysis paralysis, you know, where they're like, Mm. because I talk to people who are like, I I have 
26 months until I threw hike. Like, how can I get started right now? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I love the enthusiasm and like, yes, but like (laughs) you should just like be fit. Like you should just do fitness right now. And then like getting into more of like the concept of specificity of like training for the activity you want to do. So when you say like just hike, that's not wrong. Right. Especially when you're getting closer to it, like getting more specific is helpful, but getting a base that's built on like functional movements. So like think of like the six big things that you do in a day. So like, um, we'll see if I can do this without writing them down. Um, squat hinge, which would be like a deadlift, um, step carry, uh, push and pull. Um, so like if you just took those six categories of movements and yeah. made a training plan based on them, you would already be a step ahead in terms of like you're covering every joint in compound ways and and if you're loading it over three months progressively. So the, a lot of this is like under the pretense of weight training um, because if you look at any endurance sport, what are the two things everybody's the most worried about? Tendon injuries or muscle mm-hmm. injuries and fractures. Sure. Weightlifting is the number one thing that is shown to reduce those injuries. So, and then when it comes to like a through hike, so running is not not to cut you off, but something that just because I want to clarify, yeah, yeah. Um, something like you know, and here's the funny thing: I should know all this shit because of the <laughs> years I spent racing triathlon. Right? And now I, I'm so curious about what you did to train I for know, triathlons at this I point. Know. <laughs> well, I was on a, a pretty like strict training regimen like building a base every right. single year so did you wait train i did oh you know but but that's where my question's going to yeah um do you suggest or do you when you say weight training because i know a lot of people when they hear weight training instantly their brain goes like bulking up and like being, sure you know being a big meathead and stuff and like mm-hmm. when i raced triathlon it was more about like using your own body weight and using resistance bands and stuff like that because you know when you're racing mm-hmm. especially you want to stay as lean as possible like you don't want bulk because right. bulk's going to slow you down I especially have so many like, thoughts right now yeah, <laughs> yeah. especially in the swim and stuff uh, because you know like it would it would never fail like I'd do a race and the real big dudes would always like fizzle out and mm-hmm. like not be able to do it so something for like a through hike mm-hmm. are you when you say weight training building some bulk or or lean muscle and just making sure that you're strong versus bulky so one of my big thoughts right now is you're not going to bulk up at all in three months Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so, so every every guy listening to this is ego just <laughs> drop through the floor like, oh man uh, i know i hate to be the bearer of bad news but like bulking is so hard like ask anybody who's actually bulky and they're gonna say that they're gonna like yeah. it took them years probably to be that bulky well it depends on who you are though right right some people and I mean, if you're a real mesomorph like you might bulk fairly easy I but bulk. Somewhat easy, but that's because I used to be a big guy. I used to weigh 275. (laughs) Okay. Um, I used to be a real big guy. So like I will actually, if I start lifting weights, especially my chest, I have a real big, big chest. It's just from being a big guy all those years and like having that chassis. Yeah. Um, I will actually poof up pretty big. Like I love rowing. It's one of my favorite things to do, but I have to watch it because all of a sudden I'll be like this. (laughs) <laughs> now you can't I have walk through doors. Exactly. It's just so impractical. <laughs> right. So if you're like if you're like Nick, then maybe you don't want to you don't want to weight train too long or you'll just, you know, it'll be you'll be huge. Um <laughs> but yeah, so like when it comes to the concept of like lean muscle versus bulking, like at the end of the day, if you don't have enough external load, you won't get muscle adaptations. Sure. So you can get that load 
in a number of ways. And I actually think the more pertinent conversation for a lot of people is just access, right? So like a lot of people, like I live in a van, so I have like both legs adjustable weights, but they only sure. go up to 55 pounds and sure. I have some like resistance bands. A lot of people in this in these communities don't go to gyms because they're outdoor recreation people. Right. Um, or they live in some sort of small mobile situation where they don't have barbells and all that stuff. So regardless of what you use, it's the load that you're using. So like if you have less weight, you need more sets and reps. You need to get a big enough stimulus that the muscles and tendons and bones will actually change. Because like, let's take stress fractures, right? That's everyone's big fear. Every, yeah. About half the people I yeah, talk to are like- especially long distance hiking. Stress yeah. fractures are huge. And like almost immediately in calls, it, like I'll know really quickly if stress fracture is on or off the table. And if it's off the table, I'm going to say it in the first 10 minutes of the call. So you can watch the person go. <laughs> 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 like now they're they're hearing me when we talk because yeah. they're like, oh, it's not broken. So this is going to be a better conversation. <laughs> I'm like, it's not. It's actually not even close to the bone. But, um, but yeah, so if you, but if you want strong bones, um, and this applies like across the lifespan too. So like think osteoporosis and like bone disease, bones are made strong by the stress put on them. And, but it's also what can break them. And then, which is another concept in through hiking, cause it's like poor diet, poor rest, all those things. Sure. But if you are thinking you're going to get strong bones, a yellow TheraBand is not going to get you strong bones, but picking up some weight and loading your body or doing enough reps or some plyos or um things that actually put real stress on you that will give you strong bones and then the same goes for tendons we can't expect the fibers of those tendons to get tighter and stronger and more resilient if they're not loaded enough to have that physiological change they might you might have more power output but that doesn't mean you got like fiber change right so that makes sense yeah so i guess the answer to the question is whatever you do you have to load it enough, whatever right. method you take. To build that strength yeah. and build that that base. Yeah. Okay. So so then training, so strength training definitely to build a base. And then what other type of training, like aside from, again, just getting out and hiking, carrying mm-hmm. a pack and stuff like that, like do you, you know, I, I always get questions like, you know, are, are people say like, oh, I go to the gym every day and I'm training for my through hike of the AT on the Stairmaster and I'm, I'm – I'm rowing and I'm swimming and I'm, you know, again, my brain for years. So I was like, why? Like, <laughs> just, just high. Like, <laughs> oh, but like, if you come out in shape though, too, like nobody likes sucking wind up a mountain. Right. So if you like come out with a little more of a base, you're going to have a little better time in that sense. But, right. um, I mean, in addition to weight training, so like some stuff you can combine, right. So you can, you can make your sets and reps, especially if you're like, if you're doing those big six, like you want to focus on little stuff, like you know, banded ankle things and like accessory movements, but like, what do you mean by banded ankle things? Like, you know, when you put a band around your foot and you like move your ankle and oh, okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like call that desk work. So like if you uh, got okay. an office job, like that's the time to do that. Right in the ABCs with your foot. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, I do that all the time. Yeah. That's something you should do like in your free time, but like I wouldn't use your gym time for that. But right. like, so the big six covers accessory movements by proxy, but like you can still, if you're, building at the bare minimum you start there if you're getting deeper like into the people that are like i have 26 months you know right then let's start hitting accessory stuff start working on your foot strength your ankle strength your shoulders stuff like that like start to broaden the net sure um but then cardio is certainly important 
the thing that people do wrong with cardio is they'll do like a really hard cardio workout and then weight train. And then that's going to make you weaker. Not in the sense of like you lose muscle, but you're not going to lift as much because you're tired. So you're getting less out of your strength training workout if you're really fatigued going into it. So it's most of the time people are doing too much in the sense that they're timing it poorly. You'd be better off to flip those and weight train first and then run or do your cardio after. Uh, what about like separate, and this is a personal question because I've, I've actually, now that I'm getting into mountaineering and stuff and like really getting into climbing mm-hmm. um, to build those muscles and, and get stronger, like especially like I have tiny arms, I always have. So I'm just not to a like, tiny chest. Right. No, massive. Is the, and that's the balance, right? It's like if I start really doing something, like I want the arms, but then the chest will get bigger than the arms, and then I look all deformed and weird like a cartoon character. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I try to avoid. But um, so when, when you say that, like, do you suggest, um, and this is just maybe a general personal workout question, mm-hmm. separate the days. So like a day of doing like, weight training and then a day of doing cardio or weight training just before you do cardio like at at the same time potentially both yeah because sometimes when it comes to training it's just like what's going to work best for like you and your schedule and so that you get something in so like if like one common split is like three days of cardio two days of lifting and alternating days that's a pretty common structure um but like for me I like to do it on the same day, so I will just like do a really short cardio warm up, just to get my heart rate up, lift weights, and then do cardio after, um, and that works well for me. But everybody's a little bit different. It kind, it really, it depends what you're training for too. Because like, if cardio is like, say you're training for an ultra, like you're gonna need a lot of time running. Oh yeah. Um, so you would be one of those people that like maybe you just have two days of cross training where you do weightlifting or something else, but then the rest of the week is like focused on these runs that take multiple hours um but then there's even like types of cardio that get into a little bit of strength so like think hill repeats um so that's a really great way like if you're training for a through hike and you just know that inclines are tough for you and you really want to make that better like hill repeats are really specific so you could put a pack on do intervals where you like go like at a pretty good clip up the hill and then kind of come casually down it and just keep going back and forth it's not the most fun thing in the world to do if you're like just running in a circle or walking in a circle but i mean it will make you better at climbing hills yeah yeah builds up that base that strength Mm -hmm. yeah what about like all the people that are sitting home right now like what about the stairmaster what about the stairmaster (laughs) listen the stairmaster (laughs) is a special type of torture and it's good yeah like (laughs) (laughs) i hate the stairmaster it's pretty good though right but you know what's interesting you mentioned about people being injured on the at or the pct um the stairmaster is really more similar to what you'll see on the at in the type of step that you're doing yeah absolutely but on the pct an incline treadmill is more what you see so like you can kind of like just picture the two angles and how that might be different on your achilles um because the like achilles stuff then this has been something cool this year because i have i got a lot more pt licenses so i've been able to do telehealth on the southern half of the at so I'm seeing the difference in the two types of injuries between like the AT and the PCT and yeah. even the CDT because I have a you're couple probably, there. You're probably not seeing a lot of stress fractures and stuff on the AT area. No, huh? No. no, I see Achilles and IT band stuff, which are very yep. much like yep. like big stepping power movements. So it's like if you're training AT, I'd be inclined to prioritize step up, stairmaster, step downs. People don't go down enough. Hmm. Um, 
like we go uphill all the time, right? But do we right. go down the hill and train that? Do we step down the box? Do we land? Which is important, especially like if you're like me, like I have terrible ass knees, have for years. Right. Um, and it's probably the downhill that you're struggle oh, right it's awful I, yeah. i'll climb climb my ass off up a hill but yeah. like coming down is literally torture for me sometimes especially yeah. like if it's super rocky and like it's rock scrambly mm-hmm. like i was just in the himalayas and we climbed up uh, kalapatar which is like eighteen thousand six hundred feet awesome climb up coming down was torture for me it just beat the hell out of me yeah so like in that instance, like if, and, and part of the reason why we don't train downhills, we don't have it. Like a Stairmaster doesn't right. go down, a right. treadmill doesn't go down. Um, but you could do things like eccentric squats or eccentric lunges or step downs where you basically train the down part of the movement and load it up pretty heavy. So like, uh, like one really great one for the knees is if you put your feet, like your heels up on a slant board or just like on a couple plates, hold some weight and then go real slow all the way down because then you're going to get the tendons in front of the knee stretching and strengthening at the mm. same time, which is a lot of stress on them. But if you train it, then when you go downhill, your body's like, oh, this isn't as hard as those sure. like loaded things we've been doing for months. So when it comes to like things that have a lot of like straight up and straight down, like the AT, that would be what I would prioritize. Okay. But then like the PCT people get a lot of like repetitive, like gradual incline, decline things. So it's sure. like really the shins, like right. the shins are the kryptonite of the PCT. Yeah. <laughs> and like <laughs> I've had like the exact same injury call on repeat about anterior tib tendonitis. Like at yeah. a certain point, I think it might be 50% of the injuries. Like wow. it's high. And it's like, it's the foot slap motion from going downhill at a gradual incline because you go really fast. And that's the same concept where that tendon's trying to contract and stretch at the same time. And so like for PCT hikers, prioritizing things like calf strength and ankle mobility and like controlling your descent because the AT is going to control your descent so you don't slip and trip and fall on rocks and roots, all that chaos. The PCT, you can just... Yeah, because it's like a super highway. You can yeah. just run down it if you want to, which a lot of people do. Yeah, and if you don't reel yourself in with like shorter steps and going a little slower, even though it feels easy to go faster, chances are by atrophy you're going to have chin pain. Yeah, that's something I have personally tried to really think about because I've heard that repeatedly. Like over the last handful of years, I mean forever, is like shorter steps, take shorter steps. And I have yeah. a long stride. Like if I'm going uphill – it's yeah. like I'm taking like five steps in one step. It's just how I do the same thing upstairs. Like it's just how I move. Striding uphill is not um, not as bad. Right. Especially if you're like still getting your hips engaged. Like, right. And it, I know with like shitty knees myself, it's like I – because I'll do the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like I'll, I'll want to get down, down a hill quick. Mm-hmm. So I'll start moving and taking these real long strides. And then like inevitably like it destroys my knees. Right. So that's something I've been – Well, when you think about it, like think of the people who are doing like hundred mile races, right? Like they're not striding down the hills. They're taking these tiny choppy steps down every hill and they're able to go crazy distances with no rest. I mean, running a hundred is just like something that blows my brain, but it's just like humans can adapt to things. Like we can do a lot. So is the needing to take smaller strides versus the long ones, is that more is that more is like what's causing it is more of a tendon problem or is it impact on on like the knee both okay yeah so like when you overstride 
instead of being able to like absorb the shock through your whole body so like get your knees your hips even like if you're using poles like your upper body right all of that sharing You're the slamming load. slamming it all on the knee. Yep, all right. on the knee. Because it's out in front. It's just kind of getting locked out. The impact's there, but so is the tendon. And it's ultimately, typically the tendon that hurts. Um, but I mean, if if it's really from the bony contact, you're going to start seeing injuries like meniscus stuff, uh, fat pad pains, bursitis, um, things like that. And those are spicy. Yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> and I, I have that on both knees i've actually i don't have much of a meniscus left on my right knee mm-hmm. i had i've had two surgeries on it in yeah. the past yeah there's not a lot of cartilage left in there so i mean it's yeah. getting close to bone on bone at this point you know i even have thoughts on the whole bone on bone thing oh like, yeah if you keep it moving it's like your body will keep producing like it's wd-40 you're not wrong because yeah. I, I again something i've tried to mitigate because i've heard this over and over and maybe you could touch on this mm-hmm. i've for years and years like I, I did nothing. I probably went, God, eight years of my life without going longer than two days. I never went longer than two days without running at least three miles. Like I was, I was a runner, runner, mm-hmm. runner. Um, and then all of a sudden, I stopped. Like did somebody tell you to stop? Uh, well, I mean, a lot of doctors told me to stop whenever I tore my meniscus multiple times. <laughs> um, told me I was never supposed to run again. Oh, or, I have so many thoughts on that. Oh, too. I know. <laughs> So I did. Let me debunk harmful healthcare got, <laughs> narratives. <'cause>, oh. <laughs> I got I got into long distance hiking. Yeah. Um, and while I'm hiking, my knees don't hurt. They're fine. Um, but you know, like a lot of people, like when I'm not doing it, mm-hmm. like that's when my knees start hurting. I, I have like old man knees. If I'm not doing it or like getting up from a couch, you're just like, oh, yeah. like it hurts, right? It's like, like the tin man. You just have to like oil up more than right. other people, which ultimately like makes you exercise which makes you healthier so right. is it the worst thing in the world like- <laughs> but but i've read a bunch of stuff people talking about like the best way to like build up a lot of strength in your knees and like to get rid of knee pain is doing something like running because it builds up the muscles around the knee so lately it's when i got back from the alps a couple months ago i was like you know what i think that i want to try to attempt to start lightly trail running again mm-hmm. and i've been getting back into that and i've noticed that my knees don't hurt as much and I guess that's just because of building it all up again, right? Building all those muscles and, and yeah. getting those tendons stretched out to where I'm not. And yeah, just moving it. So it's yeah. like that concept of like adaptation happening under load. Right. You're sufficiently loading it. So right. like. Yes. Yeah. Like that. we just, we just. <laughs> I was don't... talking to my dad recently. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, wait, your knees hurt and you're starting to run again. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're going to mess yourself up more. And I'm like, I don't know if oh. that's true. Oh, okay. I'm going to so- soapbox for a second. So like, <laughs> like that is something, especially in like the, the PT field, right? Like as a whole, that's a narrative we are all attacking because it's harmful right. um, to tell people to stop doing the things they love. Um, it's fear-based, sure. right? So yeah. like, and it's not evidence. A lot of fear-mongering. A lot of fear-mongering. And then it's not evidence-based either. So like what we know about things like arthritis, right? That's a big one. Sure. Um, and like degenerative changes in general, because like degenerative is a scary word, right? Nobody yeah, wants is. to be degenerative, but like we know we're going to have like wrinkles and changes on the outside and we don't view that as degenerative. Yeah. The stuff on the <laughs> inside is just, it's like wrinkles on the inside. Yeah, like yeah. it's just normal aging and growth. And like the fear narrative over stop moving is so harmful because it takes people out of doing things they love. It makes them afraid of movement and it actively 
creates more pain in a lot of cases. So yeah. like like your knees feeling better when you ran, if you had not run, your knees might be hurting worse. But then if you were stuck in that cycle, you might do even less. And then you get to our like most common problem of sedentary right. behaviors. Cause I mean, I can't tell you how many, like right now we're like you and I, we're in an active community, right? Sure. Everybody we know, everybody listening to this podcast probably is like people who run, hike, bike, whatever. Um, but I can't tell you how many older patients I've had when I worked in general population who did all these things when they were young. Someone told them to stop over something like worse. tendonitis. Yeah. They never did it again. They got out of shape and now they have lots of problems. Yeah. And so it's like, oh. Well, I know that's like, I, I actually joke <laughs> with friends all the time, especially like old uh, triathlete buddies and, and cyclist friends. It's like, once you start like getting into a crazy active lifestyle, you're basically screwed for the rest of your life. Because like, <laughs> if you stop. Yeah you're just going to fall apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, and part of that, like, are you falling apart or are you just seeing what it's like to not be active? Right. Yeah. So it's like, you've seen the good stuff and you know what it's like to feel good. And, and like everybody's pain is such a human experience. So like, you're going to have pain with training. You're going to have pain with these activities, but like pain's information, it's not damage per se. Right. And so like, that's, I think the biggest takeaway is like, take pain as information and handle it as information, but don't take it as a stop in all cases i mean obviously there's exceptions like we don't need to get into the extremes right, right, right. but yeah. like if you just if you view pain with less of a catastrophe mindset especially back pain there's nothing people are afraid of more than loading up a back after having back pain and they've done studies where they just gave people deadlifts for back pain and they got better they got better and stronger really at a faster or equal rate to like traditional back pain interventions of like maybe just stretching and stuff but like i mean if you ask me if i want to like just stretch for 13 weeks to make my back pain go away and then see how like good a shape I'm in yeah, after yeah. stretching only or yeah. deadlift for 13 weeks. And then I, now I can pick up like 200 pounds. Like I'm a deadlift. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. So yeah, that's my soapbox. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that makes sense. And I think it's a lot of good information because that is a big, like, you know, there is a big misconception with a lot of that, or I guess misinformation of people like, you know, cause it's no different. Like I, I, uh, again, I'll talk to my dad all the time. My dad's a perfect example. My dad has beat the hell out of himself for years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all catching up to him because he is very sedentary. And all the time he says stuff like, how long are you going to keep doing those through hikes and those long distance hikes? Like, you know, all that shit's going to catch up to you. It's all going to catch up to you. And I'm like, yeah, but only if I allow it to catch up to me. And I argue back and forth with him. But I do feel like that's a lot of people's mindset of like, you know, that doing stuff like that's going to damage you for the rest of your life. And mm -hmm. like, so you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't run. You shouldn't hike. You shouldn't ride a bike, stuff like that. But I think it's about balance more than anything. Yeah, yeah. And like, that's partly why I think getting into training teaches you balance. Right. Because you start to feel like, think of, think of, so like a through hike, right? You're only bending your knee most of the day, like zero to 45 degrees sure right like your your feet are on generally the same work pattern your back's not doing much it's like you're strapped to a board basically right. um and you know arms are just kind of swinging so like those are really limited movement patterns like you're not reaching up you're not bending over you're not sure. twisting so like even if training if like say say you're just someone who's going to through hike every year if your training just looked like moving your body through the rest of the spectrum that would be balance and right. like the balance of taking rest days and like the balance of just a different stimulus on your body, but staying active 
those are things that keep you from running yourself into the ground because you're you're using your body's full potential and keeping it just strong in every plane right so so then aside from training um you know building a good base getting some strength training and doing stuff like I, I think it's really good information talking about the difference between the at and the pct and like the things that you should be focused on that's mm-hmm. that's really interesting to me and i'd never thought about that until you said that and i'm like yeah actually that makes sense like i don't really feel like my achilles ever hurt out on the pct but on the at like yeah you can yeah. definitely feel that pressure you can definitely <laughs> feel that pain right um where everybody that i know on the pct that's been injured is usually like a stress fracture or or you know something that's happened because of that terrain super repetitive yeah so with that being said while you're out there with these common injuries that people are getting um what is you know i touched on a little bit about rolling and Mm -hmm. using like a ball and massage and stuff what are some of the i guess tips and tricks that you have for people that are okay they trained they're in decent shape they got a good base they got good cardio they built some muscle now they're going out to the trail and they're doing stuff like putting in a 20 mile day a 30 mile day maybe a 40 mile day what are the best ways that people can kind of keep on top of it to make sure that they're not getting those you know overuse injuries or or stress fractures or stuff yeah so a big theme of it comes down to load management so you know if you're going to hike 40 miles a day there are different ways that that can look and how that loads your body um, and things that increase load are longer steps are going to increase load through your legs. Uh, walking faster is increased load. So you can hike the same 40 miles in a different time frame, and one person's loaded harder than the other based on speed. And then pack weight is a part of your total load. Um, and then something people don't consider as being a load management factor is shoes. Um, if your shoes have a thousand miles on them and they are, and say like, so this is something super common that I see. It's like overpronation where your foot turns inward mm-hmm. when you walk. Um, big, like big thing that contributes to some injuries. I do it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but what people will do is, you know, they might have a shoe that kind of corrects that. Like if it's subtle, they wear a shoe that's supportive. And, and so there's not like some increased loading due to pronation because they're, they're neutral with the shoe. Sure. Um, but then they wear the shoe to a thousand miles and the shoe now is like, you could look at it sitting on a table, which is something I have people do a lot. And you look at it from the back and the shoes leaning like 30 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it's like, everybody understands that it's not comfortable to walk on a side slope trail for a lot of the day, which is a big PCT thing because of the way it wraps. Um, so when you think about your shoe being shaped like that, you've created a side slope trail all day. And so now that's created a lot of weird loading for the day so your 40 miles was on a side slope but the person with you wasn't and so you're potentially going to have shin pain knee pain hip pain i mean you name it when you walk like that it can be problematic i can't i bet (laughs) you i could go peel out a couple pairs of shoes right now in the closet and show you yeah the heel the heel is what's bad (laughs) like i do it on the heel because i'm even though again racing years like i'm I've tried to correct it so many times and it depends mm-hmm. on the shoe. Um, like I'm a heel striker. Always have yeah. been, always and, will and be. Let it be known. You can strike in a lot of ways and it's fine. Like people right. get really hung up on that and it's like different things work for different bodies. Sure. Um, but like having like the neutralness of like the heel toe and like how straight it rolls through is more important than what part of your foot you land on in sure. my opinion. Um, 
hopefully that doesn't open me up to like a big internet debate. But like, <laughs> oh, it will. Yeah. <laughs> Everything that you say on the internet opens you up to a big internet yeah. debate. So it works. Oof. Okay. <laughs> um, my main point is like being unstable in a medial lateral direction is a bigger deal. Um, like if you're landing really hard on the outside of your foot, that kind of predisposes people to stress fractures. And if you're landing really hard towards like the pronation side, that's really tough on a lot of the tendons. That's the general trend. Um, but anyway, back to like the origin of the question. So like loading and managing that load is a big thing to focus on. And then like only once you have looked at load, does the rest of it become important? So that's when we start to get into the self-care stuff. So like we mentioned Merrick a few times with Rology, yeah. like his resources are awesome. All the rolling out stuff, like that's a great self-care routine. The ball serves as a nice reminder. Like if you're carrying it and you're handling it, you're more likely to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> I hate to break it to people because this is a question I get a lot is like, what's the magic stretch routine that's going to save my life? <laughs> like, <laughs> can't you just give me a few stretches that are going to like, I'll never get injured again. And it's like, no. Yeah, no. Because because no. we're we have to have that load portion and then we can talk about stretches. Yeah. And so like when it comes to stretching, stretching feels good and helps relax us. But like if you have a mobility restriction, like your hip or your ankle that's causing issues, you got to do joint mobilizations and like loaded things. So like um, let's use the ankles because they're the most common, like an ankle mobilization where you like rock forward, push your knee over your toe and like give it some overpressure and rock back and forth. I like the analogy of mobilizing bones and joints to get looser is like wiggling a tooth. Mm. So you're trying to just like go a little further each time, but you're not, you would never just hold a tooth out at the end, like a stretch. That'd be weird. Um, So same thing with bones. So you like rock back and forth, give it pressure. And then if you reinforce that with eccentrics, so like we talked about the deep squats as a form of eccentric an eccentric in the ankle would be like heel raises off of a ledge. So like I give that, all the time on trail is like ankle mobilizations, eccentric heel raises, and then calf stretches. Sure. Like the calf stretch is going to be more effective after those things have happened. So like those sort of self-care things are great. And then honestly, like your body's going to give you like pain misfires. Like, and I'm sure you've experienced this where like you're just walking along and all of a sudden some like zinger just hurts. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, yeah, I get it all the time. Yeah. You're like, what the hell is that? Yep. <laughs> and then it, a lot of times if you just sit down for an hour and you get up, it's just gone. Yeah. You know, I always say pains that move are like not a big deal. Right. It's pains yep. that settle. Yep. That's always been my kind of rule of thumb too. It's like, yeah. as long as the pain is moving every day, like it exactly. hurts here today, it hurts there <laughs> tomorrow. Totally good. Yeah. And like the hobble, especially like for long distance runners and, and through hikers and stuff, like you're going to hobble a little bit in the morning, yeah. but like if you're hobbling and it's debilitating and like, or it's coming back at the end of the day with vengeance like right. <laughs> that's that's a little more than the usual hiker hobble but like that feeling of like you're, you're just tired of being on your feet like that's that's not an injury that's just reality of through hiking right so but yeah pit stops are underrated and pack breaks are also underrated yeah i'm really bad about that everybody is so i am don't I. yeah yeah i don't stop at all all day long <laughs> yep yep no i'm stop pretty to eat lunch that's it i'm pretty guilty about that too but then like if you I mean, if you're not getting injured and that's working for you, that's probably within your physical capacity. Right. But if you're getting injured and you're not taking any breaks, that's really a moment of self-reflection. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you being an idiot. Yeah. Like that would probably be the first thing to start doing is like take some breaks. <laughs> right. So, so, so yeah. So like definitely doing 
stretches, um, using something like a massage ball, any other good, like little tools. Uh, what about the, like, I always hear people talk about like using a trekking pole. Yeah. Do I mean, think it works or do you think, cause I, every time I've ever tried to use a trekking pole to like roll out like my calves or something, it just doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. It's just a total waste of time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when it comes to massage techniques, I really feel like it's super personal. So yeah. like, if you feel like you can get in there with your hands and, and dig at something and you feel better after, like, that's great. If the pole rolling works for you, some people carry a foam roller, like, if that's your jam. Um, I think the cork ball is the most practical of all of them because it's, like, size-wise, weight-wise, like, you sure. can do a fair amount with it. So, like, that would probably be my go-to. But, like, I mean, you can roll stuff out. But, like, some people don't really feel like they benefit from rolling in soft tissue. And if that's the case, like, you don't have to force it, right. but like if you do and it makes you relax and especially like good sleep, because like that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. I compare through hikers to professional athletes a lot because look at the only other volume or only other like group of people doing that volume of activity. They're getting nutritionists, ice baths, massages from professionals. Right. You know, acupuncture and then they're sleeping in some nice bed with good thread count like yeah. you, we're eating a snickers laying on the ground and letting the tent flap in our face all yeah, night. Yeah. like <laughs> the rest and recovery is by Just it's almost bullshit. yeah, yeah it's, it's awful it, it's like borderline comical when you compare it <laughs> and so it's like and then you know i have conversations with people and like oh, do you think i need a double zero and i'm like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so there's there's a question so stop for the day mm-hmm. set up camp do you recommend stretching and doing everything right then when you stop or is it okay to stop, get everything set up, eat, and then like before you go to bed, do it? Or does it really matter? I think it genuinely is just whatever you're, you're going to do. Okay. Because like we're all paved with good intentions, right? right? Like how many of us were going to do push-ups on a through hike right. so we would finish trail feeling really fit from the top right. to bottom? How many people actually did? <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, like I, I know, like being being an endurance athlete for years, and and you know, I, my brain has been like completely, uh, I don't know, trained to like the thirty minute window. Like mm. when you when you well, finish your workout, warm, right? Thirty minute window. Like if yeah. you're gonna drink protein, if you're gonna stretch, any of that crap, got to do it within thirty minutes. Yeah. So I guess that's why I'm asking. Like, yeah, end yeah, of a big fair. thirty mile day, should you boom, you stop before you set up your camp, you should be stretching and getting everything done then? Or do you think that it's okay to wait? I think it is fine enough to wait. Okay. Because I typically do it like, because I'll, you know, I'm like any hiker, like I get to camp, I'm going to sit down for a second, then I'm going to set my stuff up, then I'm going to eat. And then I usually don't grab like the cork ball or start like writing my ABCs with my foot and stuff until like I am sitting in my tent. I Mm -hmm. probably put some, some headphones in, I'm listening to a podcast and I'm trying to wind down to like pass out right which is why i usually sometimes forget to do it because i put the headphones in and then i just pass out (laughs) right yeah and i mean like at the end of the day i think the difference between the two is so small that the bigger difference is whether you do it or not right and so like wherever it's gonna fit your routine that you're more likely to do it that i think it's it, it comes back to that analysis paralysis situation where like focusing too hard on the absolute best keeps people from doing it at all because it just gets stuck it's like stuck at the start line that makes so sense. it's like and and with a through hike you're you're just using your body all day and so long that i think you're like 
your window is a little skewed, right? Like you just walked yeah. for 11 hours. Right, right. This wasn't like a two hour intensive workout where your 30 minutes feels more pertinent because the rest of the day you're going to go sit at a desk. It's like, God, you just use your body so much that like if you stretch it all, it's going to probably feel pretty good. And, and I think the biggest benefit of stretching at the end of the day is just the way it helps people sleep. Right. So if doing that right before bed helps you like kind of calm, calm down, down yeah. and do that, then I think that's totally fine. Nice. Um, okay. So then some training, getting that base, uh, making sure that you're mobile enough, making sure that you have muscles that can take the impact and, 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 you know, have that fitness and then making sure you're taking care of yourself in some way while you're doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And also like the preventative stuff, like smaller steps going downhill, all that stuff, the load. So ultra light bro, is mm -hmm. that like that's good right being ultra light oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was ultra light bro question mark yeah, yeah. are you ultra light I, bro? I was about to say who's ultra light bro <laughs> <laughs> i know a lot of ultra light yeah, bros yeah so i mean <laughs> yeah i think one conversation that i find really um like so obviously like ultralight culture can get a little toxic right it's ridiculously toxic yeah. i even hate even like I, I actually just brought that up as a joke <laughs> yeah, yeah so we don't have to get into that but like there's more to be a smart ass yeah yeah <laughs> but like my one thing i found kind of wholesome in the ultralight culture if that if those two things can exist you know together <laughs> is um maybe yeah is like you know older hikers that feel like they really need to reduce the weight to be able to through hike sure. and so that sort of opens access because a big a big thing that a lot of PTs care about is access, right? And sure. like getting people doing things from positions that they are at some sort of disadvantage. And so like in that context, if you really need a lighter pack to be able to do this activity, like ultralight's great. It's great that we have options. It's great that you can get a lighter pack and get out there. But then there are some cases where like if your access is limited by money, but you have the physical ability to carry heavier, you can still be fine with a heavy pack. And I, I don't like the narrative that like you're doomed to be injured or like, of course your knees hurt, your pack is heavy. Because if you're trained for it and like you can handle that load, you're gonna be fine. You right. might be like, you might have a little less fun just having to like sling that thing on sure. every once in a while. But like ultimately like look at the spectrum of things humans can do. You're telling me we can't hike with 40 pound bags. Right, right. You know, so it's like it's doable. And, yeah. But like, you know, logically, can reducing pounds on your back reduce impact and, and potentially pain? Of course it can. Yeah. 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 But it's can just... you still be successful and not injured with a heavy pack? Also, yes. Yeah, I think years ago I I made a, like a analogy of – I made some, some video about base weight. And I said like imagine like a, a car – going up like a mountain pass or something like a super steep road and it's like cars that like it's just a car it's going to go up quicker than a car towing a trailer right like yeah. because of all the weight like yeah. it's just like duh yeah obviously. i actually use the car analogy a lot to explain why people's shins hurt um uh -huh. <laughs> because so like uh, i actually wrote an ebook on the pct injury trends because they're actually really significant like in certain towns yeah people have certain injuries yeah and, and especially in the first 800 miles yeah i mean there's that it's like 15 dollars. i'm not gonna be rich yeah, off where's it at but like it's on my website well, there you go yeah what's the website pleasephysio.com there you go but, like I plug it but like <laughs> but like the, the just, just roll over that <laughs> <laughs> my my big point being though that like uh you know people get the shin pain you know the shin pain um 
mostly in Tachby. So like around mile 450 to like 520 is like big shin yeah. injuries on the PCT. And it's because yeah. using this car analogy, it's they're going fairly gradual and like f- a little more gain than loss in the beginning all the way up to like Baden-Powell, mm-hmm. which is like Wrightwood for anybody who yep. doesn't know that. And at that point, it's been hard on the engine, like a car going up a mountain. You're much more taxing the engine. And then they look ahead at the map and they see far out finally looking like all this descend. And they're four weeks in and they're like, I'm going to start to feel like a through hiker because I'm going to get some big miles yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Engine can cool down. I'm going to send it down this hill. And then they're slamming on their brakes. And in this case, the brakes are the shins. Ah. And so by the time they hit Tachapi after like flying through the aqueduct, like downhill into a flat, like, oh my God. And then the shins are just lit The up. brakes, yeah, the brakes yep. are burning at that point. Exactly. You yeah. can smell it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 100%. I just sit in Tachapi and just see shin after shin. I'm trying so hard to stop it. I think it was slightly successful this year because I've like tried to get the ebook out there and I'm just telling everybody like in Wrightwood, like don't, don't up your miles, go slow through this section, like just trust me. And it did see a little bit less shin pain. Nice. But is that like causation correlation you know what i mean or like it's just coincidence yeah so but if i can make my impact people will stop hurting their shins and attach me <laughs> but point being it's like uphill downhill is very much a car analogy yeah, so yeah. like you got to think about your brakes right yeah so so i guess in the grand scheme of things like if, if you're doing something like a through hike like build that base be mindful when you're out there for mm-hmm. sure like pay attention to your damn body like it's it's definitely i think through through hikers in general have kind of learned that nobody follows it, but it's like, listen to your body. Like if something's screaming, listen to it because you know, who does follow it? The older hikers. Oh yeah. Cause everybody thinks that like, Oh, you must. And I've started doing that now that I'm getting older and putting yeah. more miles on me. It's yeah. like, I'm really starting to listen and not ignore stuff. People think I'm just like tailing the people in their seventies out here that like, Oh, you must take Medicare. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that must be your bread and butter crew. And I'm like, no, you know who's injured? The 21-year-olds. Yeah, of course. Like of course 21 are. to 23 is probably my biggest demographic. <laughs> and it's probably their first injury ever a lot of times, which is great that like they're, they've gone 21 to 23 years without an injury. But right. like, <laughs> and also you're invincible, right? When you're in your 20s, you can do stupid stuff and the, you know, you get away with it a little better. But older hikers do the self-care. So aside from that, with, with the self-care on trail, with the training, I've heard you touch on it a couple of times while we've been talking, and I'm sure that you have a lot of thoughts on it. And and I've been exploring finally again, like after all these years, re-exploring uh, my choices, but footwear. Mm, yes. Uh, I'm sure that since you're literally using a, a shoe is kind of your main piece of gear for a long distance hike, really. Like everybody yeah. thinks about the backpack and the big three, but like the shoe is pretty damn important since it's the thing it's literally going to carry you thousands of miles yeah and it's it's honestly like one of your biggest investments because you're going to spend several hundreds of dollars on shoes especially these days you know it's 150 a pair of shoes so it's like right you want to get it right as much as you can yeah and i've recently started to explore like you know i i've had my injuries in the past and like i was telling you like i i do drop like my heels a little bit and and i get the same thing you're talking about like with the slope like Mm -hmm. i can again i I can show you a pair of shoes right now that like it's (laughs) it's real bad on them (laughs) um and so i've been trying to be more mindful of that and kind of switch to some different shoe options um but like what is your i guess best advice for like finding you know something i've always said in videos is like shoes people for some reason have been obsessed 
with my shoes. Like that's something I get a lot. Like what shoes are you wearing? Right. Shoe, should I use that shoe? And yeah. you know, my answer will always be like, it's so subjective. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't yeah. know how your foot works. Which is the right answer. Work. Right. <laughs> right. Like I don't, and I almost hate doing, I'm about to do another damn shoe review and I haven't done one for years because I just got kind of irritated by it. Yeah. Because people inevitably like, I would do a shoe review and then like someone would be like, oh, this looks great. And then like three months later, I would get a comment from somebody being like, their shoes were terrible. And it's like, <laughs> For you, yes. For me, they've worked great and I've put yeah. thousands of miles in on them. Yeah. Um, and I'm about to do it again. But like, what is your advice for like somebody? Like, obviously it's subjective, but like, what's the best way? Or, what am I trying to ask here? What is the best way to find proper footwear for somebody that's going to go hike thousands of miles? Because a lot of people do just like watch a YouTube video and they're like, oh, ultra lone peak. That's the shoe for me. <laughs> and they, they get it. And then yeah. inevitably they call me. They end up, yeah. <laughs> it ends up beating the shit out of them. And then they blame me yeah. or somebody else on YouTube yeah. because they're like, well, that's what yeah. you used and it hurt me. And it's yeah. like, well, yeah, but it's so subjective. That's actually how it goes. People call me and they're like, Darwin told me to wear ultras yeah. and now my foot hurts. So like, could you tell that guy like, to piss off yeah Yeah. (laughs) um no so like i think part of it is a lot of people don't know much about shoes right Right. and so like they'll they'll seek an information video that explains the shoe and not understand how to cross compare and that's where they get stuck because they take information as endorsement and i would say it's gospel people take stuff as gospel yes and like ultimately in some ways like some people can wear anything. Right. Like some people have a neutral foot. Yep. They got a, like the shape of it's normal. They're, there's no weird stepping pattern. Like they could wear anything. And those people muddy the water. Right. Because they will be allegiant to a lot of things and think it's perfect and yada yada. And But like people have triple crowned in Crocs. I'm sure someone's triple crowned barefoot. I don't know that for sure, but I would assume. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I know uh, someone for sure who's triple crowned in Chacos. I'm sure there's multiple yep. people. I got that. a buddy that's, that's currently trying to hike all of the major long distance trails right now. Um, and he's done every single one of them in Chacos. Yeah. I mean, never I, had a foot problem. Yeah. I talked to a hiker once in, uh, where was he? He was in like South Lake Tahoe and he went to like an urgent care and he had Chacos. And their advice for him was that he needed to switch to boots. And so he called me all mad about that. And I was like, yeah, that's stupid. There's like the Chacos weren't the problem in this case. It was something totally different. So we addressed it and he proceeded in his Chacos. Um, But like, and then boots, like at one point, everybody wore boots. That's what, you know, people still think it's silly that people don't hike in boots. So like when you look at that spectrum of shoes, that in itself should just let everybody have the grace that it's not that easy. Like no. it, there clearly is a huge range. You could fall anywhere in it and you might have to try a couple pairs of shoes before you figure it out. And so like, I think at first just understanding you might get it wrong is like a good mindset to go in yep. with and knowing that you might get it wrong, you need to test it. Like you shouldn't have your shoes for the very first time under a loaded pack when you hit the terminus. Right. Because then you could end up in a town with no resources where, you know, maybe you did realize these don't work for you and you can't switch them. So, like, shakedown hikes are just really essential in, like, your footwear choice. And But whenever it comes to, like, picking a shoe, I really think there's value in seeing somebody who's a pro. So, like, go to a PT, go to a podorthist, uh, like, you know, if you have access to that. But if you don't, understanding the differences of 
uh, heel drop and the midsole and the toe box, I think are the most basic elements that you could look at. So like, I always suggest that people go like, you could even go to like a running store and something I just, I did for years because mm -hmm. of like uh, racing triathlon was like going to get like a gait analysis. Yeah. And go to a little one, like go yeah. to a mom and pop running store because yeah. they're going to know their stuff because right. they have to be experts to have the shop survive. Right. So like no hate to REI. I think they're fine, but like you're going to get a really big spectrum of people qualified or not qualified at REI based on their kind of personal merit, not right. really REI's merit. But like if you go to a running store that's like your local shop, the guy runs 500 miles a month, like, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, like, he knows his shit. Yeah, they're going to know. Yeah. Um, or girl. Um, <laughs> um, and so, but if you. It is 2023. Yes. Yeah. And women run the world. So it's fine. But, um, but like go to someone who knows what they're doing. Right. Um, but if, if that's not something you have access to, look at the components of the shoe and then look at your own foot. It's not actually that hard to see your foot posture. Right. Like take a picture of yourself, like stand in front of your camera, look at your feet. Do they look like they're tilting or do they look straight up and down? Right. Like you're probably going to be right. You don't have to be overly trained to be like somewhat in the ballpark. If you're standing there and your feet look like they're tipping in, okay, you probably have some pronation issues. Start going down the rabbit hole of shoes that help, help right. with overpronation. Um, or if you have flat feet, like look at that and like, you know, do the wet foot paper test, like kind of just get an idea of your foot and then go down your rabbit holes. Right. But let's take, um, common ailments and common shoes that work for them as a basis. So like, uh, for example, people who have really stiff, big toes or ankles, like really like limited range there and injuries related to it, like, uh, potentially like plantar fasciitis, um, some shin issues, knee issues. That's pretty common with tightness in those two spots. Something like the Hoka with the rocker bottom might be something that works really well for you because it makes it easier to get by that mobility restriction. Um, but then if your foot is too narrow for a Hoka or too wide for a Hoka, um, you might where like you have to sort of find your perfect scenario because like maybe the rocker bottom seems really awesome in theory, but it's too small for you. And then it is what it is. You can't wear that shoe. Right. Um, so then you have to look at like, what are other things that are important to your foot? So if you have, um, like overpronation, you're going to want something with a little thicker midsole. So it helps keep or like thicker or more rigid. So it helps keep you from twisting. Um, so like Hoka's and Topo's, I'm, I'm like kind of just sticking to the three most popular brands to sure. keep it from being too complicated, yeah, yeah. but like things like that are helpful for people who overpronate. On the flip side, things like lone peaks are not great for overpronation in the sense that you'll just be able to pronate right through it and then have like super tipped shoes pretty early. Now, is that to say that people aren't successful that overpronate and wear lone peaks? No. Sometimes yeah. people get away with it. Sure. And they're fine. Um, I did for years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've seen people's lone peaks look like 45 degree angles and they're yeah. like, yeah, I've hiked 20,000 miles. I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a freak of nature. Yeah. I'm like, well, your tendons are clearly super <laughs> adapted to being stretched out in that position. So it doesn't matter. Um, so, but then like, and heel drop is a big thing. Right. And so like, we were talking about this earlier, uh, before we got on about how ultra's coming out with a four millimeter drop shoe. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Scandal. Um, but you know, that could be really great for those people that like, they might've taken a Hoka for like the thick bottom and the like somewhat rocker or well, Hoka definitely has a rocker bottom. I'm under the impression the ultras 
with the Ford Mill are going to have a little rocker bottoms. I bet they do. Yeah. I think it's essentially a Hoka with a wide yeah. toe box. I think I think the Topo does a little bit too. It That's does. what I've noticed having it, it is like does. coming from wearing nothing but like mm-hmm. temps and Lone Peaks for years. Like as soon as I put that Topo on my foot, mm-hmm. um, it like instantly I was like, oh. It, like, yeah, I'm, it's a nice split. Yeah. Oh, I can feel it. Yeah. Like, Usually if I have to transition somebody out of ultras for various reasons, Topo is the next one in line yeah. because a lot of times people gravitate towards ultras for the toe box and nothing else. And so the Topos are like, you have a pretty good shot of still feeling like you can fit, but it's our like people with big, big toe boxes that still can't quite fit Topos sometimes because right. like they are just a tiny bit more narrow. And so, I haven't noticed. Yeah, I feel they're about on the same par. Personally, you're probably not one of but those. Super but I'm also wide. using the the newer shoe that they just came out with called the Pursuit, which is supposed uh, to be their closest thing to the Lone Peak. That could be. I yeah. doubt it's their closest thing, but that's people are comparing that. That's the zero the drop Peak. one, right? Yeah. 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 I actually I don't have like too many encounters with the Pursuit. Most of the time, when people are in my world transitioning from Ultra, we're also going for a drop. And so we're going mm. for a shoe with a drop and a wide toe box. Gotcha. So we end up in like ultra ventures or mountain racers from gotcha. Topo. Um, but like, like the toe box shape, the heel drop, like not everybody needs to wear zero drop. And I know that that is going to like, people are definitely going to be mad about that. Yeah. But like, it's going to break people's brains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you can be successful in a lot of different drops. I honestly don't know where that came from. Like Bear, I, it was that book. Um, oh my God. I've, that can't believe I can't think oh, of it. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Well, I remember that back when I was running, like, racing triathlon. But when I first got into long-distance hiking, like, on the AT, the number one shoe that everybody had, and I mean everybody wore it, was the Merrill Moab ventilator. Yeah. Everybody was in that shoe. Those are like, still out there. They're still fairly popular. The whole trail runner thing hadn't really hardcore. Like, I saw a few people in a trail runner. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was still the Merrill Moab. And then I used that up until I found the Lone Peak. And the only reason I knew about the Lone Peak is I worked at an outfitter Mm. and we sold running shoes. And um, my buddy who raced triathlon at the time, I had already transitioned to a through hiker. He raced for ultra and he, he wore their their road shoes Mm -hmm. and he's like oh have you ever thought about like hiking in a trail runner and i'm like no not really i don't really trail run he's like yeah but like what about hiking in one and then that was that was my introduction to ultra wow dude was ahead of his time i'm telling you (laughs) yeah alex if if you're listening (laughs) yeah wow that aged so well (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh sure enough like i picked him up i started doing some small day hikes and then i fell in love with it and then my shoe ended up becoming the the lone peak three Mm-hmm. And like I never looked back to Merrill again, and then all of a sudden it's like I don't know if it was me that created the domino effect. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think you're so. not insignificant in your. <laughs> I'm not, but I also not like I'm not like cocky enough to let it be known if be you've like, had I'm foot pain who... from ultras. Yeah. It was Darwin's fault. <laughs> I am the one who made everybody. I don't think so. I think that just you've at that same time <laughs> that a lot of other people started using them as well because yeah. a lot of other people started seeing it. And to be fair, like while I was out on the AT, there were some people that had trail runners. Right. I don't remember if they were ultras or not, but yeah. you know, I started using them and then all of a sudden it seemed like that's all everyone used. Like mm-hmm. when I went out to the PCT, I don't know if I saw another shoe. When the PCT makes so much sense, yeah. right? Yeah, That Absolutely. terrain is like 
fully supportive of trail yeah. runners. But like I remember, like I it must have been halfway through the trail when I saw someone in a pair of hokas, and I had never like that was the first time like I knew hoka from the mm-hmm. road running world. Yeah, uh, they're the people who make the big goofy balloon shoes. Right. Yeah. Because the early hokas were terrible. <laughs> um, <Right. laughs> but yeah, that's all of a sudden like everybody like. And honestly, I can't remember the last time I saw somebody in a pair of like traditional hiking shoes. Yeah, like, I see very little. Yeah. Actually, I've like when I see somebody in like big heavy boots, it actually is surprising to me. Yeah. Um, I saw a, a lot couple of people over in the Himalayas that were wearing like Danners and stuff. Yeah. We typically don't call out brand names on this podcast, but we're doing a hell we're of do- a job. Yeah. I mean, I'm like ready to be burned at the stake now. So, like. <laughs> Um, but let it be known, I don't have any specific allegiance to a shoe because it is just like, it really, it is so specific. Yeah. And I mean, and sometimes we have to create the right shoe for people. So like, um, you know, I've had, there's like various modifications you can make. Like, and a lot of times it's like various heel wedges or inserts and sure. stuff like that. Um, I also would like, like in this, <laughs> how people ask me what stretch routine is going to save my life. They also ask me like what insole is going to save my life, which is funny and also like bad news um there is no like fancy insult that's gonna save your life and some people don't need them and some people need them it's like a whole thing yeah but like i i do some situations where we like modify the shoe that somebody's already in because like say they've checked enough boxes but like something is still going wrong like say their shoe fits great everything has been great but like the heel drop is just too low we'll just wedge them up we just lift their heel drop up and now they're that's their perfect shoe sure or um, I use medial heel wedges a lot, which are just side sloped wedges. So oh. it's for a lot of over pronating yeah, yeah. situations. Um, and part of it's access, right? Like, I don't know if I said it before we started recording or not, but like that game of survivor of like, here's the ideal circumstance of how we could fix this injury. And here's what actually we have available. Right. Um, and then here's like also your budget and like, you know, keep rippling down sure. to where we get to. Um, but like medial heel wedges, I've used those so much this season. That was like one thing. After last season, I saw a lot of posterior tib issues, and they were they were bad. It was like the worst injury. It was keeping people from hiking, and I was like, I am going to deep dive this injury in the off season and find anything else that we can be doing. And so medial heel wedges was kind of what I came back with. Way more success. Hmm. And so, like, I use those a lot for overpronation issues. And, I mean, I'm not saying it works for everybody, but it works a lot. So, like, sometimes – you just have to get as good as you can on your first pair of shoes, have a bigger budget than you think you need. No, you might have to change. And then also you might have to be someone who has like a little modification to yeah. make the shoe work. Well, it's something that like I've tried to, it almost drives me nuts sometimes. And I think because of things like YouTube and reviews and people like me, um, I, I think that one thing that a lot of people don't understand is like whenever I come on and I say like, well, this is my perfect tint or this is my perfect shoe or whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's because I have literally spent a ton of money right. trying a ton of other things. And then people see that. And I think that's something that people don't understand, especially when they're getting into not just through hiking, but just general backpacking or just general hiking mm-hmm. is that like, you're probably going to have to spend a lot of money and try a lot of different things because it's all so subjective to what's going to work for you. And the only way to really know that is by literally like going, you might get lucky and the first thing you try might be the thing that works for you. And like, if so, like Lovely when that happens. It's rarely ever worked for me. (laughs) And that's the thing that people don't see behind the scenes. It's like, yeah, I might've 
said that that was the perfect shoe for me, but you don't know how many other damn shoes that I tried to figure out that yeah. that one was going to work for me or yeah. insoles or backpacks or, or tents or whatever it is. So I think that people have got to realize that like, yeah, it's expensive, but it's like in order to find that right thing, it's going to make you comfortable or successful or not get injuries. Like it's going to take time and yeah. it's going to take money. Like that's just kind of how it works. Well, and in my opinion, you know, your pack and your shoes, they're the two things that are going to be the hardest to figure out because yeah. you yeah. can like, sure, you can dial in the factors. So you make a better informed decision gather a few expert opinions, like things like your reviews, other like trusted review sources. Cause I mean, ultimately someone's got to vouch for it or you're not going to buy it. Right. Sure. So like until you find that those things all collide, that's when you're going to make the decision on that. This is my starting point. Right. But I really think you have to be flexible on the shoe and the pack, especially, but then things like jackets and sleeping bags and stuff like, I don't know, you, you might be better served when you get an expert opinion or a sure. review. Like, your your success rate's probably higher, right? Yeah, yeah, if you trust yeah. that person who tried a lot of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's like, not as subjective, right? It's yeah, because like, it's not affecting your ergonomics. Right. And that's what, like, like right. you and I wouldn't have the same ergonomics. You're, like, two feet taller than me. Sure, like, sure. <laughs> like, so, like, we're probably not going to have the same right. gear in that sense. But, you know, what you're comfortable sleeping on could easily be what I'm comfortable sleeping sure. on. So, like, I just think it's those two things. And those are the two pieces of gear related to injury. Like no other, your jacket is not why something hurts. Right. So like. It just might be why someone's cold. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ultimately. Um, like the reason I have a quilt because people said they would be warm enough in a quilt and I free stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're one of those people. I'm one of those people. It's a zero degree quilt and I didn't die. Damn. So like. Was it not good enough? I don't I, know. I've used a 20 for debated. literally everything. I use a zero degree in the summer. Like, I should have got like an alpine hooded bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and that, well, there you go. I mean, even that's subjective. Like, right. it yeah. depends on how warm you sleep. Like, exactly. I'm a pretty, like, I'm like a furnace when I sleep. Mm -hmm. So, like, it doesn't take much to get me warm at night yeah. to, 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 like, let me get good sleep. You also use like a really uh, high R value pad. Yeah. That is something I had to learn. The hard way. It's the pad. Yeah. It, it is quilt. largely the pad. Yep. I got the X therm and it did make my life better. Yeah, I bet it did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but shoes, it's definitely important to find that right shoe, no matter what you have to do. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. And I mean, like, if you really are just looking at it and you're like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know where to start. Buy from somewhere that has a good return policy and don't be an asshole about it. Like, right. don't take them 300 miles and then return them. <laughs> but like, you know, do some stuff where you can trial it in a reasonable way. Yeah. And then that's another way to start without it being a huge financial burden. I also think it's good, like you said, like, again, not to knock them, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> like, maybe don't go to REI to like buy your first pair of like. To get your advice on it. But they do have the good return policy. They do have a good return policy. So get but your like, advice Like elsewhere. you said, yeah, I would rather go to like even here, like whenever I uh, start talking about shoes or looking for something, shoes, like I go down, there's a, a store here, a little free plug for them, uh, Run Flagstaff. Oh, yeah. Which is a running store. Yep. Great awesome store. Awesome people. Mm -hmm. Because they're all like trail runners. They're all ultra They've runners. Done like, it. They know it. Yeah. They know the shoe. Ultimately, with so many things, I feel like take advice from the people who do the thing that you're trying to learn. Ah, is yes. very, and like that's how I feel about even just being a provider in this space. It's uh, like likewise. Yeah. Like I wanna <laughs> I wanna help through hikers because I am a through hiker. Right. Like you know, if some like if you're a skydiver, 
I don't know. I mean, I'll know it on an orthopedic sense, but I don't know what you're doing. That's how I always <laughs> feel about uh, the videos I've made for years. Like, I've always just like, oh, just like, I'm not right and I'm not wrong. I'll just share my information and my experience. And like, maybe somebody can learn from it. But like, people will always want to argue like, well, you're wrong. And it's like, all right, I, I guess I'm wrong about hiking thousands of miles. Yeah. But like, it, it's not right or wrong. It's just my experience. And yeah. I have a little more than you, so I might know what I'm talking about more than you do, but okay, whatever. Right. Well, yeah, I'm very much that way the, too. There's like 10,000 hours or something that like makes you an expert. Yeah. I think you've passed that. So. <laughs> God, I hope so. I don't know if I'm an expert. I just, yeah. I've, I've, I've had enough trial and error and made a lot of dumbass mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> All the, you know, those are the people we want to lead us though. Like yeah. you do it first, you tell me what was wrong and then I won't, I won't do those things. Right. Like. Or, I, or I'll, I'll maybe do the same things or I'll yeah. maybe make a different mistake. Some of us are determined to learn things the hard way though. So, that would you know, be me. Yeah. Yep. 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 I always learn things the hard <laughs> way. So, um, so yeah, so, so definitely, you know, I think the, uh, the moral to this, this story or this podcast was really exploring and, and like, you know, I'm willing to admit, like, I think that <laughs> now so many years later, like I wish that I would have done more, um, the PCT in 2018. I wish I'd have done more strength training. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have, uh, definitely wish I would have have upped my recovery game while I was on the trail at that point, but it took me a little bit longer. One extra side note on recovery. The more trained you are before you go in, the faster you will recover. Oh yeah. So that is also like, Oh yeah. that's in that same conversation. Yeah. So, you know, I'm willing to admit that like over these years, I probably should have been introducing more stuff into my just get out and hike. Like, obviously that's good. I still think that's good advice. Would you agree? Good advice. Get out and hike. Yeah. Like don't do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like if, if all of the rest of us, you're hearing me say these six things and you're like, I'm not doing that. Okay. Go hike. Yeah. Just go hike. <laughs> In that case, go hike. Like <laughs> yeah. Get your body used to carrying the pack. Get your Get your feet used to like just the repetitive motion of, of hiking every day, climbing up hills, climbing down hills, but also be mindful of like at least build a base and get that strength training and 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 be strong enough to put your body through hell for months on end because it's gonna happen. You're probably gonna get injured in one way or another. It's yeah. I feel like to a point, like when you do something like through hiking, it's inevitable. It is. Like you're yeah. gonna get some sort of injury. You're gonna you're going to get wore out, you know, you're going to, your check engine light is going to come on is a term I've been using a lot because my check engine light on a lot of stuff has been on. For a while. <laughs> and I'm just now getting yeah. around to like yeah. doing the oil change. Well, and it's like, you know, there's various severities of the check engine light. Like, is it some sensor or is it my transmission? <laughs> right. <you know>? so, <laughs> um, and then, yeah, again, like out on trail, just like the conversation I had with Merrick about like making sure that you're taking care of yourself and being mindful of, of not only physically, but also mentally. Um, when I think training helps you be ready for the mental thing, because yeah. like, say you get a little pain in training and it goes away the next day, like now mentally you're a little tougher to that kind of situation. Right. And also like, I don't know, you do hard things, you can do harder things. So right. like. You push yourself in training. See, I might have been trained too much on that, though, because like, like I pushing yourself through hard things way harder and not listening because I'm yeah. like, eh. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it, worse. it could absolutely come full circle. <laughs> yeah. Like my favorite like comparison is the injury chats in the first 500 miles I have with people and then the injury chats in the last 500 in the beginning. It's this panicky like. 
Um, is my my hike over? I have this small pain. I'm really worried about like, usually the pains are actually less severe. And, And that's obviously not always true, but like as a broad scope, there's more anxiety. There's uh, more fear in terms of like rest days and, you know, will I even be able to hike? And like the actual severity of the injury is usually a little bit lower. And then I talk to people at the end of their hike and they're practically dragging their yeah, legs yeah. like some feral <laughs> being. And they're like, I just want to know if I'm going to do permanent damage. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. I'm finishing this thing. I was just like, is it cool if I like cut my leg off or if I drag it with me? You know, like crazy things. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, real quick before we 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 kind of in in the discussion, I, I I had said earlier that because I had the the torn tendon and mm-hmm. and I went back and kept hiking, and you can see that I have a wobble when I'm mm-hmm. hiking. That actually ended up uh, in the Sierra. I slipped. I, I don't think I ever talked about this in my videos. I think I've talked about it on the podcast. I actually um, cracked my tailbone. I slipped oh. off some ice and landed on a rock and cracked my tailbone. Man, you really do it up. I'm telling <laughs> You're you. You're not hitting like the common 10. No, no. <laughs> I go I go all the way in. That's just how I am. Um, <laughs> and so when I finished the trail because of the tendon that never properly healed because of the tailbone, mm-hmm. I was walking like, you know, at a, a stagger the whole time. Again, yeah. if you go watch those videos, anybody listening to this right I'm now. I'm so curious now. I'm going to go watch the it. videos. <laughs> and it, it, like it comes and goes. Yeah. Um, and I actually had people reach out to me and be like, you're walking with, I, I think there's comments on videos of like, yeah. why are you walking with a wobble? Should I um, do that? Is that the right way yeah. to hike? <laughs> exactly. Darwin said to waddle. Exactly. <laughs> Which shoes are you using to give you a waddle? Um, <laughs> Ultra Olympics. Um, <laughs> and when I got off the trail, I was so messed up. I, I ended up, we went to Bend, Oregon, and there's a place there called Reboot, Reco- no. Is it Reboot? Recharge? Rebound? Something like that. There's it, a PT place called Rebound. It's a recovery gym. It's like oh, they okay. had nothing but like uh, the compression boots and, and hot sick. cold that's transfer That's such a bend thing. Oh, oh my amazing. God. Went there <laughs> and that's what I wanted for my birthday. I spent like four days from there because I was going to go do a bike tour of the Blue Ridge Parkway yeah. like a month later after I got off the PCT. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure I was healed up and I saw a chiropractor and a uh, massage, a sports massage therapist and let me know I had a drop hip. Like mm-hmm. I had completely destroyed, and I'm still still dealing with that now, mm-hmm. where I had no strength in my left side, yeah, because I was favoring my right side so much that mm-hmm. my hips now you got super imbalanced. I hope you're doing hip strength training. I try to do it as much as possible. I'm gonna burn this into your soul. You I need know. to do hip strength I know. training, <laughs> and I have my bands. Like I was showed how to do like crab walks, yeah. and then like laying to the side or yeah. doing the uh, or like side. They call clams. them. I'm gonna say this wrong, and a bunch of people are gonna laugh. Kegels, which I know what Kegels are, like yeah. in another term. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a thing that you can. Am I saying it right? There's a thing you can do with your knees in a band. Yeah. Are you doing this? Um, I was told it was called Kegels. Is it not called Kegels? Clams. Clams. Yeah, but right. like you can combine it with Kegels. It's it's it it helps strengthen your pelvic floor in addition to your hips. Yes. So yeah. I did that for years, and again, like anything, I'll get lazy and not do it for a while. But yeah. I can start feeling. I'll go out for a run or a hike, and I can I can feel this side of my body kind of like. Yeah, I have a really strong a bias bit. for side plank, uh, hip abduction or plan or clams. Mm-hmm. Like get in a side plank position and do it because oh, okay. it is like one of the like highest 
like muscle activation of oh. like your glute mead like in the they've studied the movements that's like one of the best ones so it's a big go-to for me okay so you should do that nice so aside <laughs> from but yeah i just want to tell that story real quick that's what ended up happening to me on the pct because yeah. i was an idiot and i didn't hardcore i listened to my body for eight days and then i started ignoring it yeah you just had that feral drag to the finish mentality i did end, which... that 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 far in like mm -hmm. i was only what 500 Wait, miles were, in you was okay i was gonna say were you a sobower I, I was in Wrightwood. <laughs> i was in Wrightwood. i was like yeah screw it i'm yeah. just gonna get to the end yeah fine so <laughs> so um that awesome advice um for anybody that's looking at getting into it so aside from you being out on trail um and and like randomly popping up mm -hmm. to help people where else uh where else are you are you helping people where else can people get information yeah. about how to get strong or how to recover or Largely virtual. Okay. So few thoughts on this. So on my website, so bluesphysio.com, you can find anything that I do. Um, but I have a 20-part training series I made last oh, off-season. Nice. And it's just, it's home workout, like video-based. It uses bands and dumbbells and loaded packs. Um, and I kind of made it with the idea of like, it targets the common injuries, things that can be built up to prevent that. Um, and then also in the thought of like, you know, if you're in the Midwest in the deep of winter and you have a March start date, you're not hiking to prepare for your trip. No. So like really like largely with those people in mind, but also like I think everybody needs weight training. I think hopefully that's clear by now. Yeah. Um, but this is just meant to be like a, an easy access point with those videos. And then at the end of each video, I talk about different things like during the cool down of like little injury tips, different lacing things, how to sleep on your side if you have hip pain, like stuff like that just worked in. Um, cause originally I was just going to do educational videos and I was like, I don't want people to just sit for an hour and listen to education. I want them to move and then learn a little tidbit and then do that for weeks and then they'll be ready. <laughs> so, so I have that. And then, um, I do work, uh, with Lee of Trailside Fitness. Okay. Um, he does like, like if you, if you're like, I need someone to tell me what to do every day and like aggressively help me train. Um, Lee is a great guy. He hiked in 2018. I don't know if you met him. Um, but he, he does training. That's like his jam. And I do training more if you like have an injury problem, okay. like that's sort of like where I branch away, but you know, he's the trainer and the motivator and that kind of guy. Um, and then with his consults or with his training plans, you have a consult with me if you need it at any point on oh, trail nice. or like in your prep or post. So that's sort of where we work together. And then, um, I post a lot of videos and stuff on like Instagram and TikTok. Like if you're just looking for like some information, you're looking for free, like I try to put little circuits and stuff out there so you can at least start doing something. Yeah. And we'll put all that down in the show notes and stuff to, to let everybody know kind of like where to find you and all the links and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I do telehealth. So like if you have an injury, we can like do an actual like telehealth consult and get you a plan i'm probably going to be a new client so. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um and then uh i'll be in mount shasta if anybody happens to be in mount shasta that's where i plan to spend uh december january and february nice so and then i'll be headed to the azt to take blaze to the azt in march and then back on the pct in nice. april nice excellent so i'm extending trail season out a little bit i was on the pct in march this year and i was cold and bored so i'm gonna go to the <laughs> azt and be warm and hopefully not bored <laughs> nice. so if you're on the azt keep me from being bored please <laughs> so there you go if you guys uh don't find her out on trail on the arizona trail or the the pct um check out her website 
blazephysio.com. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll definitely, I'm going to be connecting with you because I'm <laughs> trying to really get in like hardcore mountaineering shape and trying to be as smart as I can about training and, and about recovery um, leading up to some of the stuff I'm going to be doing this winter. Nice. So um, yeah, I'm going to need some help. I'm trying to be trying to be smart. And yeah. uh, hopefully everyone else out there that has listened to this episode will will be smart uh, in their journey, whether they've been doing it for a long time like me or they're about to go out on their first thru-hike. A huge thanks to Morgan for joining me as co-host on this episode. If you want to find out more information about how you can train your body and avoid those injuries on your adventures, make sure to go check out her website, blazephysio.com and I'll put all the links down in the show notes. If you want to help support this podcast and get bonus content like early access to episodes, hours of exclusive video, and even a weekly bonus podcast with yours truly, you can become a member of our Patreon community and I'll leave a link to that as well down in the show notes. If you've been enjoying the podcast, do us a favor and give it a rating and or a review wherever you're currently listening. Make sure to check out theoutdoorevolution.com to keep up to date with all of our new articles, products, films, and more. You can follow us over on Instagram at The Outdoor Evolution. And folks, that's going to do it for another episode. Thanks so much for tuning in.